Hi everyone and welcome to MDA National's podcast on the roles of the coroner and the doctor in the coronial investigation process. My name's Jane Deacon. I'm a medico-legal advisor at MDA National and part-time GP. I assist members in medico-legal matters and also help claims managers handle claims and complaints. Our members often ask questions about writing a medico-legal report or statement for the coroner. To understand what to include in such a report, it's important to first understand what the coroner's role is and what the doctor's role is in assisting with that coronial process. I regularly help members who've received a letter from the coroner asking for a report, and that can sometimes generate quite a lot of anxiety. So hopefully this podcast will help to prevent or reduce such problems for listeners. To help me explore this topic, I'll introduce my colleague, Janet Harry who is a lawyer and medico-legal advisor in our claims and advisory services. Hi, Janet. Hi, Jane. It's great we can use podcasting to uh, share some information on the coronial investigations with our listeners. Um, As a medico-legal advisor, I am quite familiar with helping members with medico-legal inquiries, complaints, investigations, and, uh, of course, medical negligence claims. Uh, and uh, now I can add podcasting to the list of things I do. Yes, always new challenges at MDA National. Given that this podcast is available nationally, I think we should first clarify that the coronial process is very similar across the states and territories, where the aim in all jurisdictions is to prevent the investigation death from recurring. Differences between states are quite minor and include which deaths that need to be reported. But you can find more detailed information on this in our brochure on coronial reports and death certification, which is available on our website. Yes, and of course, the advice we're giving here is general. So please call us for any advice which is specific to your situation. And if you've got any questions after hearing this, Jane will give the details at the end. So Janet, how would you describe the coroner's role in the investigation process? So the primary role of the coroner is to determine the identity of the person who died, the date and the place of death, and the manner and cause of death. This is a role which historically goes back to 11th century England, but in Australia today, of course, it's enshrined in legislation in states and territories. Um, As you mentioned, there are certain categories of deaths which must be reported to the coroner, and those are set out in each state's or territory's legislation. Um, As an example, an unexpected death in relation to certain medical procedures must be reported, as must unnatural or violent deaths. Deaths in custody, and that includes persons in prisons or other state care, deaths in which the diagnosis is not known, or those rare cases where the identity of the deceased is not known. The coroner seeks to understand how and why a death occurred, ascertain whether there were any system errors, and for example, in a prison or a hospital setting, and in doing so, provide some peace of mind to families and communities while reducing the risk of similar deaths happening again. Uh, The coroner can make recommendations in some jurisdictions, and those will be reported to the relevant authority in the medical sphere that's likely to be the Director of Health or Health Department. For example, if the coroner finds the cause of death was at an institutional level rather than an individual level, he or she could make recommendations for changes on how things should be handled in that institution going forward to prevent a similar death in the future. The coroner has wide powers uh, when conducting these investigations. 
They generally conduct the investigation through specially appointed police officers. Um, they can control the place where a death has occurred and obtain documents and items relevant to the investigation. They'll be assisted by a pathologist who will carry out a post-mortem uh, in the majority of cases. In the course of an investigation, the coroner can obtain statements or reports from doctors, family members, the police and anyone else involved or who may have relevant information. The coroner oversees the investigation team who put together the pieces of the puzzle of a person's death and they can compel witnesses to give evidence if necessary. So is it the case, Janet, that the coroner isn't looking to necessarily assign blame? They're looking at the circumstances surrounding a person's death and might make some recommendations in the public interest based on what's happened? Um, yes, that's, that's generally correct, Jane. However, in the course of that investigation, if facts emerge which cause the coroner to believe that another agency should be involved, then they may uh, suspend the coronial investigation and refer the matter on to that agency. For example, if the coroner believes a criminal investigation is needed, the matter would be referred to the relevant authority, which in most jurisdictions would be the Director of Public Prosecutions. Also, if the coroner formed the belief that it was necessary for a doctor's conduct to be investigated, the coroner can make a referral to the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency, which we all know as ARPRA, or any other relevant body, depending on the state or territory, if there's a concern with regard to the doctor's care. What are some common misconceptions that you hear about the coroner's role that we should take this opportunity to clarify? One of the common ones, I think, is that uh, people often think that the coroner makes determinations about negligence, which isn't the case. That occurs in a different jurisdiction. An important distinction to make is the difference between the responsibilities of various courts where in these situations, and it can be worth just talking those through briefly. Um, a criminal court tries a person accused of a crime, whereas a claim for damages, which is generally money, um, arising from alleged negligence negligence and commercial disputes are determined in the civil courts. The coroner's court is, is a unique and different jurisdiction as it is an inquisitorial or fact-finding jurisdiction. It is not adversarial and it isn't bound by the same rules of law and evidence, although it does, of course, have a formal process of investigation and some of its rules and processes will seem somewhat similar in the modern setting. I think it's really important for doctors to be aware that only a small number of reported deaths, um, from our perspective we'd say it's less than 5%, go to an inquest which is the formal court hearing. Some inquests are mandatory such as where there's been a death in custody. In other situations the decision as to whether there should be an inquest held is made by the coroner and that will be made based on all of the facts and circumstances and they will also listen to the family's concerns as part of the decision making process. So sometimes the coroner's office will investigate a death and if they are satisfied that a finding can be issued without an inquest being needed then they will do so and in fact uh, that is it happens on a large number of occasions. Um, the numbers that go to inquest are really quite small. So we can reassure doctors that if we're asked for a report by the coroner, it's unlikely to go to inquest. That would be the exception more than that. That's rule. right. It's part of the fact-finding investigation that the coroner's um, performing. Um, and uh, the only a few, very few matters a year will end up at an, actually at a formal hearing, yes. 
Doctors often express a concern that they're going to be punished, suspended or reported to APRA as a result of a coronial inquest or investigation. Yes. Um, well, it's true that if the coroner has serious concerns about the treatment provided by a health professional, they may then report to APRA or another health complaints entity and, they, and that entity may then decide to conduct an investigation. This is not a common occurrence and it's not the primary function of the coroner, but yes, we can't rule it out as a possibility. All sorts of sudden and unexpected deaths may trigger a coronial investigation. Examples include someone falling off their roof or perhaps an elderly patient with a choking incident in a nursing home. Another example might be somebody taking an overdose of prescription drugs, um, a death which it is suspected was by way of suicide, or a patient who has died uh, during an operation and still in the operating theatre. Doctors who were treating patients in those various situations could have very different levels of anxiety and, and concern about the investigation into the death of their patient. However, uh, it's not all that common to get a request for a report from the coroner's office, and if it's the doctor's first experience, they may well be quite worried, um, and that might be the situation for the GP. The psychiatrist, particularly if they work in, the, in an area where um, pa patient deaths are not so unknown, may be more familiar with writing these reports and may feel less anxiety. I think the thing to remember is that uh, whatever your level of anxiety, it's, it's, it's completely normal to be concerned and it's very rational and it's important to remember that much can be done to assist you and to help to minimise the distress that you may be feeling. Yes, receiving a request from the coroner for a report can generate a lot of anxiety for doctors. I recall an instance of a doctor who was so stressed by that letter that they popped it into their bottom drawer and forgot about it. However, the coroner didn't forget about it and uh, wrote to the doctor again asking for their report. And at that point, and quite a few months had passed by then, the doctor called MDA National for help. And we were able to help the doctor write their report. So the doctor had suffered quite a few months of uh, anxiety before they rang us. Another example was a doctor who found all kinds of logistical reasons as to why they couldn't fulfil the coroner's request. Underneath all that, they were very worried about what the result of the inquest was going to be, and we were able to help the doctor see the bigger picture, address their concerns, and work on an appropriate report for the coroner. So keep in mind that being asked to provide a report doesn't mean that the coroner thinks that you've done something wrong or they're responsible, you're responsible for the person's death. The coroner is just investigating the circumstances of the death. Yes, I think that's very important to remember. And uh, another way for doctors to reduce some of the stress, and this goes for both experienced uh, report or statement writers and inexperienced ones, is to contact their MDO when they become aware of the unexpected death of a patient. That's at the early stage and uh, that's ideal because we can discuss the circumstances and provide support from an early stage. We can um, discuss with you the process the time, possible time frame and can be on hand to help as needed. And sometimes, when necessary, we can arrange for independent legal representation. That may not be clear at that first discussion, of course. That first discussion would be more aimed at giving you uh, some information about the process and giving you some support. I can remember a situation once where a doctor was ex extremely distressed about a patient who died and, had, and the doctor had heard that there was going to be an inquest, which is the court hearing. 
She didn't contact anyone about it and um, became more and more distressed. And so when she finally did ring us and we were able to make inquiries, we found out that the inquest had already been completed. Uh, so she hadn't even been asked for a statement and she certainly hadn't been summoned as a witness at the inquest, so there were no concerns for her. So it would have been lovely if we'd been able to uh, assist her at an earlier stage and perhaps we would have saved her some of that distress because, of course, we can make inquiries at the relevant office and find out where matters are at and whether our doctor is going to be required and so forth. Um, so, yes, I think I, I mentioned that where we, where we think it's necessary, we can instruct legal counsel or an, uh, one of our external solicitors. Um, we will do that where we think it is required, um, but we'll always uh, do what is best for the doctor in the particular circumstances. Yes, although uh, a formal inquest doesn't occur very often, having to attend an inquest with the consequent publicity and so on is um, a major worry and concern for most doctors. Yes, yes, totally understandable. It can, of course, be a confronting process and a, a process which can be very stressful for the doctor, bearing in mind that it's conducted in the setting of a courtroom and that there could be a number of parties present and represented and that it is likely that there will be family in attendance throughout. Um, that's one of the reasons why the earlier we can become involved to give support, the better. So on those um, occasions where there is going to be an inquest and the doctor is summoned to give evidence because even though there's an inquest, not every doctor will necessarily be summoned, We'll provide support, advice and guidance before and during the hearing. As mentioned, if necessary, there'll be separate legal representation, but we can also um, have make sure we have a support person from our office uh, attending when the doctor is giving their evidence and to, uh, to act in a support role. If required, MDA may, may instruct a barrister to represent a doctor and an external solicitor. Yes, and the more notice we have, the more prepared we can, um, we can be and the better we can assist our members. So my final point before we wrap up is I'd like to remind our listeners that for the most effective help, please contact your medical indemnity insurer as soon as you become aware that your patient's death has been reported to the coroner. If you're asked to give a statement by the coroner's office or the police officer, contact your medical indemnity insurer straight away before you provide any statement. We can help you draft your statement. Sometimes you may get a request for a report some months after the patients died. So if you've contacted us in the early stages, then we would help you get some thoughts together while it's still fresh in your memory. That will help you write the report later on. Yes, um, I'd also like to add that our members have access to expert in-house medico-legal assistance and support from us um, and if needed, we also have a support service which is uh, Doctors for Doctors. It's a confidential peer support service for our members in distress during any medico-legal matter, uh, not just coronial matters. The coronial process can be quite drawn out, as Jane mentioned, it can actually take several months sometimes even years for it to be concluded. So um, we think it's important, uh, if not vital, for members to have support during that process. Um, also so that we can uh, make uh, regular checks to see how the matter's progressing and try and reassure our members. Jane, what do you see as being of benefit to members from the Doctors for Doctors Peer Support Service? 
Well, I will counsel those doctors on on how to manage their health and the stress and the risks related to their particular circumstances. In the case of a coronial, I'll talk to them about what else they are doing during that week because it is an exhausting, draining and stressful process. So it may be helpful for them to take the whole week off and talk to them about what other supports they have from family, friends or professional support. Uh, and I try to identify if they need to visit a GP and how to prepare emotionally for the event. Yes, I can see how important a part of your work that is, Jane, and how seriously you take that role. Yes, thanks, Jane, and I find it very satisfying to help colleagues through this difficult time. I think this is a good point to wrap up, and so thank you, Janet, for your thoughts and helping to answer some of the questions that we get from members about the coronial process. My pleasure. Um, It's been great to be able to um, do this podcast on this very important topic and looking forward to speaking to more of our members in the future about it. And thanks to our listeners. If you've not already heard it, we have another podcast which goes into more about the specifics of writing a medico-legal report or statement for the coroner. For answers to specific questions you may have or inquiries about our Doctors for Doctors service, we invite members to call our medico-legal advisory line on one 800 011-255 or email advice, A-D-V-I-C-E at mdanational.com.au Thanks for listening. Bye.